Welcome to the debut episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast. Don't forget that episodes are available on SoundCloud. You can also subscribe to the Roger Hoover Podcast on iTunes. Just hit subscribe, hit play, and the podcast starts now. everyone, this is Roger Hoover, and welcome to the debut episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast. Today is Monday, March 7th, 2016. I'm coming to you from Jacksonville, Florida, the baseball grounds of Jacksonville. Right now, nobody sitting in the seating bowl here. The field has been converted back to baseball after some Jacksonville Armada soccer, but the field looks in great shape, and we are now only a month away from the start of Jacksonville Suns baseball season, so it's a very exciting time here in Jacksonville. Today's guest is Darren Hedrick. He'll be along in just a few moments to talk about the legendary career of Peyton Manning as both of us kind of share some memories from Peyton's Tennessee days and also put in perspective what Peyton was able to do in the NFL. That certainly has been the dominant story of the day in sports, and Peyton earlier today just had a tremendous press conference in Denver, Colorado. Got emotional at times, gave a very well-thought-out speech, though, and that's certainly no surprise to those of us that have been following Peyton Manning for a long time. You can just even think back to when he committed to the University of Tennessee back in on signing day 1994, announced that decision, and he was prepared back then. And then he makes the dramatic announcement. Uh, actually, we're just a few days away from the anniversary of it, but on March 5th, 1997, a dramatic press conference inside the Ray Mears room at Thompson Bowling Arena when most of the world thought that Peyton Manning was going to the NFL before the 1997 season. He ended up staying at Tennessee for his senior year, and he even talked about that today in his speech in Denver saying that was the best decision that he could have made, and I think I speak for a lot of Tennessee fans Yes, that was a great decision to stay in Knoxville, stay a student one more year, play football again at Tennessee. And uh, I remember I became a huge Tennessee fan in 1997, and it was because of number 16, Peyton Manning. And I, I've seen him play a million games in the NFL wearing number 18, his dad's old number, but still to me, he's number 16. He's that kid that you would sketch doodles of during class, and you always wore number 16. I had a number 16 Peyton jersey that I wore uh, actually to the first game I ever went to, 1997 home opener against Texas Tech that I'll talk a little bit about with Darren coming up in the podcast, but he's a football hero. And uh, it, it's sad that he won't be playing football anymore, but 18 years, five times the most valuable player in the NFL, a couple of Super Bowl championships, and he did things the right way and even did things the right way in a time where we didn't know if he was going to play football again uh, back in 2012. But he certainly did, and he had great success after that. You think about that. The Colts cut him to make room for Andrew Luck, which is something they felt like they had to do, and Andrew Luck is going to have a good career. But Peyton, after that, signs with the Broncos and won four division titles. Got to the playoffs every year and uh, got to the AFC Championship game, uh, won twice over Tom Brady and the Patriots in that time, and then won the Super Bowl with a great win against Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers earlier this year as well. So it's been an incredible ride for the Sheriff Peyton Manning, so Darren Hedrick and I will talk about him coming up in just a few minutes. As for me, I've been very busy <laughs> over the last few weeks, and the last time we talked on episode zero, which kind of served as an introduction to this podcast, now this is really our first episode, Darren, our very first guest, 
But uh, it's been a lot of travel uh, back and forth between Tennessee, Alabama, and now here in Florida. And it's been exciting to see college baseball start. When I talked with you a few weeks ago, I wasn't sure where exactly I would head on that first weekend of college baseball season. Ended up going to Chattanooga, Tennessee and having a great time as the Tennessee Volunteers started their season against the Memphis Tigers. And I got to do webcast on UTSports.com and even got to team up with my good friend John Wilkerson on the Saturday game of that. John and I were partners back in 2012 uh, with the Vols on the radio in the first year of the Dave Serrano era at Tennessee. And uh, he's been a very good friend and a very good mentor ever since I was in school at Tennessee as well. I believe he's going into his 26th year on the radio crew with the volunteer baseball team and his 18th year as the play-by-play voice of the Vols. So uh, he's somebody that I always enjoy getting to call a baseball game with. His knowledge of the Tennessee program is second to none. Uh, and it was just a lot of fun to reconnect with him, reconnect with Dave Serrano, uh, a coach I like a lot, leading the volunteer baseball team. And uh, I think they're going to have a really good year. I-, I like the mix that they have for this season. A lot of veteran players and a really deep pitching staff as well. So they're off to a good start, and hopefully that will continue for the Tennessee volunteer baseball team. Speaking of Tennessee, I also got to do a Tennessee softball game on SEC Network Plus with four-time All-American Raven Siobhan. Had a great time during Tennessee's home opener last Monday as a volunteers in that game got a win against the Dayton Flyers so it's been fun to see Tennessee baseball Tennessee softball I've also been able to broadcast those sports for Alabama I got to do a game with Lance Cormier on the SEC Network Plus Lance a great guy pitched at Alabama uh, pitched several years in the major leagues as well with several different teams Uh, he's going to be a lot of fun to team up with later on this year as well I got to see Alabama win against Nichols at Sewell Thomas Stadium and I'll be heading back to Tuscaloosa later in the week to do an Alabama versus Oregon game on Thursday and then Friday through Sunday the Houston Cougars will be in Tuscaloosa and we'll have all those games available for you on the Watch ESPN app with the SEC Network Plus so I'm really looking forward to that. Had a good time as well with Danae Hayes, a former Crimson Tide softball player, national champion she and I teamed up on the SEC Network Plus for an Alabama win over Arizona, two top 15 teams so that was a lot of fun just a couple weeks ago at Rhodes Stadium but Everything's going well. Uh, again, it's been very busy, and now we're back in Jacksonville and even got to enjoy an event between the Suns and the Jacksonville Sports Council last week around the SEC tournament. Uh, the baseball grounds have changed a lot. First of all, there's some construction that's going on that is going to make some really nice changes to this ballpark. The ballpark has never been cleaner, even right now on March 7th where you know nothing else is going on. I'm, I don't believe we'll have a high school game here until next week, but the ballpark, I have never seen it cleaner in four seasons here before and getting ready for my fifth year the ballpark's in terrific shape everything is just different about the suns ticket prices much more affordable hot dogs two dollars a night the cheapest ticket by the way is now five dollars a night for a bleacher seat and the bleachers here at reagan field are really what i think are the best uh, spot in the entire park and hopefully we'll be able to do some broadcast out there at some point something I'd like to see for this upcoming season. But uh, we're only a month away from the start of the Sun season. They will be taking on the Birmingham Barons. So that is really exciting to get ready for Thursday, April 7th, between the Suns and the Barons. And we'll have full radio coverage on the Suns Baseball Network. We will be kickstarting the Jacksonville Suns podcast once again as well. So we've got a lot coming up as baseball season just continues to approach. And it's going to fly by quickly these last 31 days between now and the start of the season so I'm excited let's get Suns baseball 
back in action. Let's get just the game of professional baseball back in action. It's been fun to listen to some spring training games. Glenn Geffner, Dave Van Horn on the Marlins Radio Network. I've been listening to them, every broadcast they've had at this point, but even just some different broadcasters and different teams that I like to follow. Just getting to hear them over the last few days on the MLB at Bat app has been a lot of fun as well. Well, I mentioned Darren Hedrick is our guest today, our very first guest here on the Roger Hoover podcast. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as Darren and I take a trip down the Big Orange Memory Road. So let's go to that conversation with Darren. Darren, a pretty emotional day seeing Peyton one last time. I thought he nailed his retirement press conference. So what an outstanding speech. Just what was your reaction to what we saw today in Denver? Well, Roger, uh, as, I, as I was watching that unfold and, and Peyton speaking, I, I got to say the allergies flared up just a little bit. Uh, it was a pretty, like you say, it was a pretty emotional press conference and it brought back a lot of memories that uh, I've had of, of watching Peyton as a Tennessee fan and, and later in his NFL career and and what he means not only to the university and the Knoxville community, but the state of Tennessee as well. I mean, it's, uh, it's football's not going to be the same without him under center screaming Omaha. Uh, no doubt, and we've been able to watch Peyton all, all the way back to 1994 when he was first a freshman at Tennessee, uh, made that debut against UCLA, and then as the season went along, later got the starting job. Uh, just what are your, some of your first memories about Peyton as a football player from those days at UT? Well, you're reaching back several years here, but um, you know, I, I, the one that sticks out is him winning the SEC championship in 1997, and just remembering all those years of frustration, finishing runner-up to Steve Spurrier in Florida, and for Coach Phil Fulmer and Peyton Manning to to exercise some of those demons, even though they didn't beat Florida that year, but they got the SEC title that they were seeking so hard and and to see that and then of course you go back to the wins over Alabama and and I always throw out the Georgia victories as well Uh, and I also have vivid memories of Keith Jackson saying ladies and gentlemen Peyton Manning of the University of Tennessee get used to it and here he is five years later running for the Heisman which I won't go into for bitter reasons but uh, you know just so many great memories of him and then being the ambassador that he was at such a young age off the field, too, is, is just an incredible an incredible memory. Yeah, you're just a few years older than I am, but we both grew up uh, <laughs> diehard fans of the Tennessee Vols. And just I remember the whole Peyton Manning era, and I didn't really get into football that much until later in his career, like around the end of the 96 season. 97 is when I really <laughs> got into it hardcore. Uh, and that's really the only time I've ever met Peyton Manning. And if you could even call it met, my, I went to my first game, the opening game of that 97 season against Texas Tech, and was fortunate enough uh, just to get be at the right spot at the right time at the Vol Walk on Philip Fulmer Way where I was able to shake his hand for like a brief moment. And then I got to watch him just tear Texas Tech apart. Uh, I, I think if there's any reason why I'm still a diehard Tennessee fan, other than my dad went to school there and later I went to school there, I mean, that was it was just perfect a way to get introduced to the game of football like that with Peyton. And he was just larger in life for us, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. You know, and, and, and I never have been able to meet Peyton. I've never had the honor, but yeah, I was about the same, Roger. I, I really came in as a strong UT football supporter about that same time, 96, 97, is re- when I really started following it. And, uh, you know, just to watch the heartache 
for my father and my grandfather when Florida beat him again his fifth year and and uh, to see some of that stuff and the next year 1998 what a special season that was but man oh man Peyton is just uh has so many memories you could just name a laundry list of teams that those those squads he was a part of just dismantled, you know. Yeah. And I think the one thing people forget about Roger is is Tennessee uh, with Peyton was so adept at passing game, but people forget how strong that run game was in the offense led by David Cutler. Oh no doubt, you, Jay Graham. What I mean, he, he was the right hand man for so many years, and then you go back to that loss that Peyton had in his senior year in 1997 against Florida. One of the main reasons Tennessee lost that game was the running back position was not clearly defined. Remember, it was Mark Levine that started that game and running back when you had a true freshman and Jamal Lewis kind of waiting in the wings, and he would break out in the Ole Miss and the Georgia games, and it was a totally different Tennessee offense after that. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, that's that's the one thing that still impresses me about Peyton to this day is there's so much focus on Peyton as a passing quarterback but his offenses when they're the best are really balanced between the run and the throw and um, you know that was that way even in the NFL when his teams were the strongest they had a run I mean look at this year's Super Bowl winning team with Denver yes they were led by their defense but that run game was stout Denver and that set up Peyton Manning with the intermediate passes this year and he was able to play within his strength as he was older and and not able to make those down the throw down the field throws anymore and and, and the running game was there again for him this year it certainly was and yeah, Peyton I think going out on top was the way that we all wanted to see it uh, I think I had yeah. nerves like I had not had really for an NFL game <laughs> in years going leading up to that Patriots game and the AFC championship he wins that and then uh, the game against the Panthers the Super Bowl I mean that was just as nerve-wracking as any Tennessee Florida game Tennessee Alabama game can be and I I really have no rooting interest in the Denver Broncos but because it was Peyton and because we all knew this was the last chance to really make that mark on his legacy I mean those two games are huge yeah you know i thought colin coward brought up a, a really interesting point on his show today about the the sports gods how they're not always fair i thought it was a really interesting point because you look at the buffalo bills and jim kelly they were in the super bowl four years no titles the utah jazz finished runner-up to the chicago bulls but peyton gets to go out with that storybook ending that everyone covets so much he's going out on top and that second Super Bowl really clinches the legacy, I think, because there for a while you could say, well, Eli has more Super Bowl titles than Peyton. That one Super Bowl, I don't think it changed perception of how Peyton would be remembered, but it sealed the legacy as one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, and and we could list off all the records and stats. We're not going to get into that. But this guy, I mean, holds nearly every major passing category there is uh, and had to redefine his game really late in his career. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know how you felt about it back at the time, but uh, I was one of the people that was really upset that the Indianapolis Colts let him go uh, because of the next surgeries. I understand the wanting of Andrew Luck, who's going to be a good quarterback and is going to have a very Peyton-like career if he keeps up the pace he started at, but – I, I, there was serious doubt that at that time whether or not Peyton would be able to play football again, and just what he accomplished mm-hmm. in four years in Denver was remarkable. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, he, you said it best. He totally redefined his himself in Denver, and and think about his last few years in Denver. He averaged nearly 43 touchdown passes a season 
with the Broncos. That's just a remarkable feat. And, and another thing you can throw out there is the fact he won 11 division titles with two teams over the course of his career. Uh, Drew Brees has won three in ten years with the Saints, and Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. So this, the accomplishments that he's had in the NFL and at the college level, even though he never won that national title in college football and never beat Florida and, and didn't get the Heisman, I mean, he's – he is a quarterback that revolutionized the game, and that's the way he's going to be remembered. Yeah, I think so, too. And just the Tennessee accomplishments really stand on their own. When he left school, I mean, every major Southeastern Conference and Tennessee passing mark was his, and a lot of them still are. And I love the way that he has really been a representative of the University of Tennessee. And he even mentioned the Vols today in his press conference and that's something he really didn't need to do I mean he's had his goodbye as a player from the University of Tennessee mm-hmm. since the Orange Bowl lost to Nebraska hasn't played in a game for Tennessee today was really more about his NFL career but look how quick he was to point to his college days not many people do that yeah. even if you look back at an NFL induction speech to the Hall of Fame I mean college years get really glossed over by most people but not Peyton no, you're exactly right, and I think that speaks to the kind of person that Peyton is. You know, he remembers where he came from, and he remembers the people that have helped him and the people that have supported him, um, and he's always been a guy that has cared about that image. You know, he, he takes great pride in having that reputation, I think, and, and he's got a great rapport with all the guys that he's played, or the majority of the guys that he's played with throughout his career, I would think close if not all of them will have something good to say about Peyton and and the fact that he remembers those people that shoved him into stardom if you will at the University of Tennessee I think that speaks volumes as to his character and 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 who he is as a person all right as we start to wrap up uh, a couple of favorite Peyton moments do you have a favorite Peyton play and we're mostly talking about his days at UT yeah, uh, the, the first one that comes to mind every time, Roger, when somebody asks me my favorite Peyton Manning play, to channel my inner John Ward, it would be the pass to Joey Kent touchdown on play one against Alabama. Right, 1995. I for, yeah, I think for any Vol fan, that one is going to be at the very top of the list, seeing him lead the band. You know, I, um, the uh, it was against Georgia where he tried to sneak and fell down. A lot of people thought there should have been a whistle on that one, but he got up and threw the ball to an open Marcus Nash in the end zone for a touchdown. That's one that will forever be in my mind. And You know, you could go on and on. I mean, we could just take just about any play from his games against Kentucky when they would drop oh, yeah. 50 points routinely on the Wildcats. So, um, But that, that touchdown to Joey Kent on play one against Alabama, I think is one that's forever etched in my mind. Yeah, it really set the tone. Tennessee had lost seven in a row, I believe, to Alabama, or maybe even longer than that at that point. But it had been a long losing streak. And uh, like you said, the Alabama game was the game. And it's kind of a shame that you've got, like, now younger generations of Tennessee fans that don't really understand how big of a rival Alabama is, regardless of the fact they're in the Western Division. I mean, these are the two top programs in SEC history. It's hard to debate that uh, just with the number of championships and the national recognition those two have had. You're exactly right. I mean, for this generation of fans, the rivalry is Florida. Right. Um, and, and that's only – and part of that is is on the Tennessee side, Roger, because they've just not been competitive against Alabama. You know, we, when we were growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, Tennessee was beating Alabama routinely, and if they weren't, they were competitive games. Uh, you know, my 
my dad could remember the the heartbreak seventeen seventeen tie. Right. Yeah. Ninety three. Before Tennessee started their run. Yeah. yeah. Ninety three. So, um, you know that rivalry used to be the show, and then Steve Spurrier comes along with Florida, and the winner of that game would go on to the SEC title game, if not the national title, and that that rivalry sort of surpassed Alabama. But for me, it's always going to be the Crimson Tide at the Volunteers. Yeah, and that was something Coach Fulmer always, uh, I could even remember getting to sit in on a couple of the Monday speeches uh, of an Alabama week. Uh, He let the players Mm -hmm. know that the Alabama Crimson Tide were the biggest rival of Tennessee. But Peyton, I mean, that play and then the naked bootleg that he had later in the Mm -hmm. 95 game, uh, still Mm -hmm. one of my all-time favorite plays, the way Randy Sanders gave him a point for the signal uh, that Peyton was supposed to keep the ball. Didn't tell anybody. Jay Graham goes tumbling over the line, and uh, really two people in the stadium completely caught the play, Peyton Manning, and John Ward, because John Ward yeah. read it immediately, whereas <laughs> all the refs, everybody in the stadium, their eyes went to Jake Graham scoring a touchdown, but he didn't have the ball. It was Peyton on the left end. Where is he in the end zone for six? <laughs> Never oh, forget perfect. that call. Yeah, and, and I love the fact <laughs> that John Ward was the voice for all of those great moments uh, yeah. as, during Peyton's career, and uh, I know he's got a strong affinity for Peyton to this day, but – um, he's special, no doubt. And I mean, I, yeah. I had a number sixteen jersey as a kid. I mean, he he was the football hero did. that you really could look up to, and he backed mm-hmm. it up. I know a lot of things have been said about his character, and some people have taken some really, uh, in my view, just some poor timed hot takes about things that have yeah. happened a long time ago. But uh, he talked the talk, and he more than walked the walk. And when you hear a former Tennessee people, uh talk about the character he showed to everybody in that football complex that really backs it up yeah you're exactly right and 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 going forward as much as i love football and i'll continue to watch the nfl on sundays even without peyton but i liken it to nascar and jeff gordon Mm -hmm. I, i grew up a fan of the 24 car he dominated in the 90s and was an ambassador for the sport on in his own right and and this year, without Gordon in that 24 car, it's just not the same. There's this empty feeling, and that's the way it's going to be in the NFL going forward without Peyton. And and the real shame of it is, you know, when you think about some of the NFL rivalries like Brady versus Manning, Roger, you know, it, it's a sad day for us because that's gone. Yeah. And, um, you know, the fans, I'm sure there'll be something new come along. Maybe we get Brady versus Andrew Luck or something down the road, but we've seen the end of a very special era that there won't be another one like it and there won't be another quarterback like Peyton Manning either yeah well especially with how much the game has changed now and you know when Peyton was in college and just starting uh, in the professional ranks there wasn't the concern that we have now about concussions and the future of the game Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways is in doubt uh yeah I don't I don't know if we're gonna have somebody that can really dominate the league for 18 years like he did no, I, I mean, the quarterback, I think, is always going to be the key to an NFL franchise and winning a Super Bowl, but the game is changing so much. You, you look to the college level now, and college coaches are trading the Peyton Manning-type prototype passer for more of a running quarterback because of the way the offenses are and the way you can create plays against faster defenses. And It's innovative, but at the same time, you're you're losing that cerebral part of the game that Peyton was so good at instead of dissecting defenses you're not it's like now offense just want to run around and create space until they can run by instead of picking apart defenses and 
you know, for a strategist like myself, that's the part of the game I think I'll miss the most as it continues to evolve. Yeah, that was a good point that John Elway made today. You know, when he was starting to be around Peyton, you know, there were things that Peyton would do with the line of scrimmage that he had never thought of in years mm-hmm. and years of playing this game. He, he truly was an innovator. Yeah, he was. He really was. He revolutionized the quarterback position and I think had a big part in the evolution of the game, too. I mean, you've seen since Peyton came into the league, Roger, how important the quarterback is for NFL teams. The Super Bowl teams in the last few years, you look, are Brady and Manning and uh, Russell Wilson, I think you can throw in there to a certain degree, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees. You have to have an elite quarterback in this day and age, and that's because of guys like Peyton Manning. No doubt. No doubt about it. Well, Darren, we've enjoyed having you on to just give a few memories back to uh, some of the glory days of Tennessee football. And, uh, you know, we're certainly going to miss having uh, Peyton Manning as a part of football. Uh, But just going forward, what's coming up for you this week? I know it's been an exciting time for you getting to be uh, involved once again with Morristown West girls basketball. Yeah, you know, there's something fun. I I was telling a a friend of mine at lunch today, Roger, there's something fun about going back and doing uh, high school sports. Uh, it's not as pure as it used to be as everything continues to get uh, more and more monetized. People are figuring out you can make money with this or that or the other. Uh, But there's still something I enjoy about going back to the high school roots. That's where I got my broadcast start. And you see the joy on the kids' faces and and how proud the coaches and the parents are. That part of it's fun. So uh, Morristown West qualified for the state tournament last weekend. So I'll head down to Murfreesboro, Tennessee with them this week. And and uh, they got a tough draw in the first round, but hopefully they can pull off a shocker there and try to win the school's first gold ball in girls' basketball. And, and then after that, it's it's baseball season, man. It's hard to believe, but it feels good here in Tennessee today, 65 degrees and sunny. It's perfect baseball weather, and, and it's about time. Spring training has started, man, and, and I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm sure you've been watching uh, some Yankees games that, and uh, seeing some box scores oh, yeah. roll in. Do you guys expect to have a good team this year in scranton Wilkesbury? You know, I think it's going to be interesting for the Rail Riders this year. One thing that scranton Wilkesbury was so good last year, the, the, the key to their team was pitching. And, and the way the Yankees organization has structured the bullpen, and I'm, they're not the only organization like this, but they use their AAA bullpen as a de facto extension of their Major League bullpen, and it's perfectly within the rules. You bring a guy up, you option another guy. When his window's up, you bring him back and send the guy down, and you keep fresh arms. And um, so we had major leaguers in our bullpen most of the year, and then we had Luis Severino, their top pitching prospect on the mound, and he was so dominant. Uh, at times, Roger, he looked bored pitching against AAA <laughs> right. prospects in the International League. He looked bored on the mound. He would strike out seven to ten guys a night. He'd go five or six innings. And uh, we, the Rail Riders just would not go on a losing streak because Severino pitched every five, you know, once every five days. And that was a win. And so they were their strongest when they had that pitching staff. Now, going into this year, we don't have Severino. He's, he's earned his time in the pinstripe in New York City, and good for him. Um, and he's going to so be a star for I don't years. Know, yeah, you, you know, we don't know what our pitching staff's going to look like. And there was a big blow struck when Greg Bird underwent shoulder surgery. He's out for the year, and, and Bird took the major leagues by storm last year with the Yankees. And, was going to be back with Scranton Wilkesbury, according to general manager Brian Cashman. He was going to be back with the Rail Riders for some more seasoning. And, of course, he's playing behind Mark Teixeira, 
and a guy like Greg Bird is better served getting time at AAA at first base rather than riding the pine in the big leagues. So that was a big blow losing the first baseman. But, you know, the Yankees have signed some quality free agents as they normally do, guys like Chris Parmley, who was with the Orioles last year. And so we'll see how this team is. I think they need to sign a couple more veteran arms just to give the Rail Riders some pitching depth because you know how injuries are. They'll, as much as you hate it, they happen. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think Rochester is the team to beat in our division this year, and that's because a lot of those guys that you saw in Chattanooga are going to be in Rochester this year. So I think they're the team to beat. The Blue Jays have spent a lot of money, so Buffalo will be strong. Uh, The Rail Riders, you probably look at 75 to 80 wins this year, depending on the movement of prospects and and some of the stuff you have no control over, like trades, free agencies, and injuries. No doubt. So it's going to be here before we know it. Uh, today's March 7th, and opening day is going to be April 7th for the Jacksonville Suns, and mm-hmm. I believe most of minor league baseball. So uh, it's mm-hmm. almost here, my friend. Yes, it is, man. And we want to wish you guys the best of luck this year in Jacksonville. And the Southern League is a fun league. I remember my time with the Smokies working with you and Mick Gillespie, and that's a fun league with some. And you guys actually have a better league now than than when I was there. You get to go to places <laughs> like Pensacola. Birmingham's got a new stadium. I mean, Biloxi with the new stadium. So you guys have some new towns. That league's a lot better than it was when I was there. <laughs> well, I've been trying to get you back, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd love to, man. If yeah. the right situation arose, we'd see what happened. That's uh, right. But yeah, of it, course, you can't discount the trip to Chattanooga. It's always fun to go visit Larry Ward. Not at all. Yeah, I had a chance uh, when I got to broadcast a couple of Tennessee games a few weekends ago to actually sit in his booth and uh, kind of soak in the history a little bit of the voice. (laughs) I hope you didn't bother anything. No, I kind of messed one thing up, but uh, Larry, I doubt, will listen to this podcast, so I think we're good. He's been a guest on my son's podcast before, though, so he does know a little bit about (laughs) podcasting. (laughs) But, Darren, uh, we'll let you go, but uh, just thanks again for coming on and uh, sharing some thoughts about Peyton Manning getting ready for this upcoming baseball season you're actually the mm-hmm. first ever uh guest here on the roger river podcast so congratulations wow i am honored sir well the plaque will be in the mail my friend yes i'd <laughs> prefer a check but a plaque will do that works thanks darren <laughs> all right man thanks roger Great time getting to talk with Darren Hedrick. Best of luck to Morristown West. Hopefully they win that Tennessee State title. You can follow Darren online on Twitter, at Darren underscore Hedrick. Great guy, and we'll have him on this podcast a lot coming up, and probably as we get closer to uh, baseball season and uh, throughout the baseball year, and hopefully around Tennessee football season, we'll have Darren on to break down some Tennessee football as well. So he'll definitely be back on this podcast again. As I mentioned earlier, I have a busy week coming up. Some Alabama baseball on the SEC Network. Hope everyone can tune in on the Watch ESPN app. I'll be back in Jacksonville early next week, and we hope to have a new podcast episode available for you then as well. So I thank you for listening, and until next time, play the waltz, Roy. I remember the night and the tennis.